is up, everybody, and welcome to the Lockdown Nuggets podcast, part of the Lockdown NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Adas from DNVR, where you can subscribe for $5 a month and get access to all of the premium content at DNVR covering all of the major uh, Denver sports. All kinds of awesome stuff going on, including the DNVR bar, where Denver sports are always on, always a watch party, a lot of fun. Today's episode of the show, guys, doing this solo today. But wanted to share my notebook notes on the Denver uh, versus Lakers game from yesterday that was a really interesting one for a bunch of different reasons. Um, namely, just the, the performance of the bench and, you know, the short minutes that the starters played, about 25 minutes. Everybody in this, everybody on the Denver roster played about 25 minutes in this game. And I think there were some interesting data points that came out of it. And so in the first two segments, just going to go through the detailed notes that I have. And then in the final segment, turn my attention a little bit more towards the future and look at the matchup with the Clippers, the matchup with the the Raptors and what just what is Denver trying to accomplish at the the final couple of days here? It's crazy to me that the Nuggets are already almost through the seeding round. We waited so long for basketball to get here, and then here we are, three days left basically for Denver in their regular season before the playoffs begin. It's just, it's such a whirlwind, and I think it's sort of, in many ways, a preview mentally as a fan, but this is also, I think, true for the people inside the bubble, the players inside the bubble. Just kind of a mental preparation for how quickly things are going to move once you're inside. There's no you know, real opportunity for teams to sort of ease into the playoffs or ease into any of this. It's going to be going quick. And if if you're not paying attention, two, three days can go by and and a team can find themselves down 0-2. But to get into this game, the Nuggets actually fall 124-121, of course. Buzzer beater by Kyle Kuzma. Um, But this was basically a glorified exhibition game. For Denver, and it, it was one I, I almost don't think they were trying to win, especially as time has gone by. You really look at it and go, okay, it's very clear Denver was not trying to get this one. I don't know if they're trying to fall to the four seed or trying, you know, to avoid Dallas or, you know, some people throwing out some of those theories. Whatever it is, I think it was clear that Denver did not put a very big priority on this, on winning this game and put a much larger priority on getting guys rest like Michael Porter Jr., who's played an enormous amount of minutes, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, who was supposed to be on a minutes restriction anyway when he got back and blew right through that. So I think it was an opportunity for those guys to both get a little bit of chemistry, but also to get some rest, give give an opportunity for guys like Bull Bull to play, Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier, and then, you know, <laughs> who knows, maybe also avoid somebody if, if Denver's trying to game the system the, the way that they did last year. But um, to start off with my notes here, I, I, if you're new to this, my notebooks, I usually just go in order of things that I noticed. Um, not sure if I'll do an episode list. I think I have four. I clipped four together. Let's see here. Three three different things. I might just tweet them out as a thread tomorrow. We'll see. I might maybe a mini list or something like that for DNVR subscribers. But if not, uh, I'll just put them out as tweets. But the first one, the Lakers are an interesting, and I might talk about them a little bit later in terms of is Denver afraid of the Lakers? I think, first of all, significantly less so than they were in the regular season. They still have LeBron James, and until LeBron James gets beat in the playoffs, you know, I'm just going to believe he has this other gear. But they do look more vulnerable than ever before. They, they're they not a great shooting team, although they did shoot the ball well in this game. They have a lot of size, but I just don't know that they're very dynamic. They're kind of one-dimensional in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, especially they just rely so heavily on Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Now, I'm not sure that the Nuggets have a great player to guard Anthony 
Anthony Davis. He plays the power forward position for them. They play with JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard at the center spot. He's at power forward, which means Paul Millsap draws that assignment, and that's just a horrible matchup for Denver. I mean, Anthony Davis kills a lot of people, but Paul Millsap might be the best player that Anthony Davis routinely just absolutely destroys, and he destroyed him in this game. You know, Millsap has been a defensive anchor for Denver for you know since his arrival, but that's I don't know that Denver can rely on him in this series. There'll probably be adjustments made. Jeremy Grant did not play in this one. I don't know if Jeremy Grant can guard him. That would be kind of a, a, a nice thing to see. But I think that that if you look at a weakness point, yes, LeBron James is obviously one of those. Although he does, he doesn't look completely healthy to me. He looks. A, we'll say we say this every year. LeBron maybe looks a little rusty in like April, and then the playoffs arrive and he looks awesome. And I expect the same thing. But watching him yesterday, he just didn't look very spry. Um, but Anthony Davis, you know, that's a tough matchup and I just don't know who's going to guard him. He was just incredible in the opening part of this, just absolutely getting up and down the court, grabbing rebounds, dunking over people. And Paul Millsap just completely ineffective against him. One of the most important plays of this game, in my opinion, if you want to talk about as we try to start to project, Jamal Murray drives, kicks out to a wide-open Jokic who swings it for some reason over to Torrey Craig to brick a shot. And Murray actually screamed at Jokic, shoot the ball. You could hear it on the microphones. And the reason this is interesting to me, the Nuggets really need Nikola Jokic to knock down three-pointers. And he was 2 of 2 in this game. But when he passed up that shot, that wide-open shot, and he gave it to Torrey Craig for what I would consider to be a less, maybe an equally wide-open shot, but nonetheless, Jokic was wide open. There's nobody chasing him. He was in rhythm, and he didn't take it. And to me, I wonder, does he have confidence? Now, we know in the playoffs he's become more aggressive, but the Nuggets need him to be supremely confident from behind the three-point line. And he's got two games. I don't know if he'll play in both games, but there's two games left for Denver. And I would really like him to be a little bit more confident and not pass, especially wide open threes, because they're going to need it. Every time Jokic gets hot from three early in a game, it opens everything up for Denver. It is one of the most important, in my opinion, one of the most important sort of variables to a Denver Nuggets playoff series is does Jokic make the defense fear him behind the three-point line? And when he passes up shots, it just makes me wonder if he'll be ready. So that's one little thing to kind of keep your eye on, especially as you go into this Clippers game. Is he going to have a quick, not a quick trigger, but just is he going to step into open shots with confidence and make the defense guard him? Um... Porter, Michael Porter Jr. started out red hot. He finished red hot. What would you know? He was six for six. But a lot of those came right at the beginning. Three-pointers, I think three three-pointers and a layup all at the beginning. He shot, his first shot was an end of shot clock shot over LeBron James for three, and he drains it. And Porter, the number one thing when you watch him out there, he's so talented. You guys listen to the show. You know that I believe that there's only two players for the Denver Nuggets over the last six years that I've ever you know gone out of my way to say these guys are special Nikola Jokic I said this back in 2015 Michael Porter Jr. I am willing to say as definitively as I did with Jokic that I think Michael Porter Jr. has it he's he's a superstar he is an incredibly talented player um, limitless ceiling and so I believe in him but he's still very much a rookie in a lot of ways and one of those ways is he just doesn't seem to know when it's time for him to sort of be aggressive and you know he's trying so hard I think to fit in so when he gets a first shot in a moment where it's like you have to shoot it there's no second guessing this two seconds on the shot clock you just got to go up to me it's I know you can't design this maybe Michael 
Michael Malone, I'd be curious to see if tomorrow night or maybe against Toronto, if they drew up a play or two for him early where it was like, hey, don't pass this. We're drawn up a play. First play, just go. Because I think for him, getting into a rhythm early where he doesn't have to think about it, I think that's a huge thing for Denver. Happened in this game, and what do you know? He has 11 points in like three minutes, all off of just beautiful shots and one nice cut. Um. It's, it's really hard to get a read on the Denver Nuggets and what they're going to be in the playoffs in this bubble, in large part because their first substitution in all of these games has been absolutely crazy. I mean, Keita Bates-Diop was in, Bull Bull was in. I don't suspect those guys will be a big part of the rotation in the playoffs. And so it's so hard to know what the Nuggets are doing um, and, and what they're going to be like once the playoffs do arrive. We've heard rumors that Jared Greenberg reported that uh, Will Barton is expected to play against Toronto that final game, so then he will be back for the playoffs. To me, what that says, and I'm trying to, I don't know this, but I'm just trying to read between the lines here. To me, it sounds like Will Barton maybe is not going to be 100%, and rather than just bring him back early, they're going to give him as much rest as he can, and then if he's 50%, 60%, 70%, whatever he is, he's going to give it a go and then try to get into the playoffs and play. Not very encouraging. Um, we haven't heard anything about Gary Harris. So not very encouraging that that um, Will Barton, at best, will have one game under his belt before heading into the playoffs. To me, that's a huge concern. And you really see it not just in what he brings to the table, but what happens to the rotations. Denver desperately needs some guys that can make shots. And now it looks like Torrey Craig, uh, P.J. Dozier, Monte Morris, they all move up in the rotation. And you know Monte can knock down some shots. Torrey Craig, not so much. P.J. Dozier, not so much, even though P.J. Dozier knocks them down in this game. And to me, that's that that's a huge concern for Denver. Take a good a quick break, but first, I want to tell you about my bookie. Sports are back. I've been waiting for this day since March. I know you have. It's flying by so quickly. Uh, and now it's here, and you've only got one thing on my mind, my bookie. It's a home run. It's a slam dunk. It's a triple overtime game-winning shot all wrapped up in one. I love it. You love it. And, you, and that should be all that you need to hear in order to start betting today. MyBookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all of your favorite teams. And with the start of Major League Baseball, there's never been a better time to start playing. MyBookie is easy. You bet, you win, they pay. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future. And in this case, that means basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, football. NFL football is actually right around the corner. It's crazy. Uh, MyBookie is already re uh, accepting bets on all of your favorite NBA, NHL, NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online betting. Join today at MyBookie. They'll match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a, a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter pro promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, and they pay. Back here on the Lockdown Nuggets podcast, getting back into the notes. Um, the Nuggets, Bull Bull checked in, and the Nuggets have been going zone when um, Bull Bull checks into the game. Of course, I did the Keeping It 1000 podcast with George Carl. George Carl talked about he suspects that zone will be a factor in these playoffs, not just for Denver. He was talking broadly about all of the NBA, and I happen to agree with him. You know, defenses haven't been great. If you look at scoring inside the bubble, there's the scoring has been out of, out of control. I mean, teams are scoring 130 on the regular right now. 120, 130, and I think a lot of that has to do with, one, the, the game is moving in a direction where I think it's becoming increasingly difficult, if not impossible, to successfully defend. 
I mean, it, it, we did this during the, the, the quarantine period where everybody was in, in their houses and we were just had nothing to do but watch old games. We watched the 2009 Nuggets. That was 11 years ago. They would have one three-point shooter at best on the court at any given moment. Sometimes they would have zero. They'd have a bunch of mid-range you know, guys reliable from mid-range. But to say reliable three-point shooters, one, two, and if you went really stretchy, maybe three. Right now in the NBA, you've got a lot of teams that play all five guys on the court who have a green light. And you have guys that, if left open, are automatic from behind the three-point line. Just so many of those guys in the league. And I think it's become just incredibly difficult to to craft a defense that can guard anybody at the NBA level. But that becomes increasingly true here inside the NBA bubble where, um, you, you know, there's just not a lot of time for guys to kind of get their legs under them, get their um, cohesiveness on the de- defensive end all there, their chemistry. So I think zone is an interesting option. And when you put Bull Bull out there, one of the things that's nice about him, he's so long, he's seven foot two. I wonder if there's a future for, Zone defense in the Denver Nuggets with Bull Bull in the lineup. Of course, we talk about the long boys. You can play some man. You can play some matchup zone. But just going zone and having the length that you have, um, you know, it might be an option. Right now, Denver feels most comfortable with Bull um, playing that zone on the on the defensive end. He doesn't play a lot of minutes, so sometimes when he's out there, three, four, five minutes, they go to zone for most of that, and it, and it you know, it it works. At least they feel as comfortable doing that, more comfortable doing that than they would playing man. Um, Bull is really comfortable handling the basketball way more. This is the biggest surprise to me. His handle, I, I didn't know, I didn't think his handle was that good. I knew he could dribble, but I thought it was like, okay, he can dribble for a big guy, but not, no, he can dribble well for an NBA player, for like a power forward or even a, you know, um, I, I think he will get to a point where his handle will be good even for a small forward. It's just that he, the, the, the basketball is that comfortable in his hand. And he's got some nice moves with it. He's got those long strides. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later with P.J. Dozier, but he's got those long strides that when he beats you with one step, well, one step for him is like two steps for an average person. So um, he, he really has shown a lot with, with that handle and the ability to bring the ball up court, um, handling the ball even in tight spaces. He had a drive not really through traffic but through a little bit of a congested area, and he just – it was nothing to him. So I'm really surprised. I'm, I'm impressed with Bull Bull. Every time I see him play – I'm really surprised by what he can do. Um, And then he had a laser pass to Mason Plumlee in the first quarter, not the highlight one. We're going to talk about the highlight one later on when it comes up, but he had another one-handed laser pass that led to a Mason Plumlee getting fouled and going to the free throw line. That's And and he had a couple other – I think he had two assists in this game. His passing, his handle – uh, I knew he had the shot. That was the one thing I knew that he obviously tall and he had a buttery stroke, but he actually has a nice handle, a nice passing as well. He had a great one dribble drive pull up over who was it? Might have been Dion Waiters, might have been Marcus Morris. But it was one of those plays where because his handle is so good, he can get to the foul line you know, like attacking a closeout, he can get there almost any time he wants. If you're going to close out hard on him because he's such a great three-point shooter, he can pump fake, put the ball on the court, get into the paint maybe for that little 8 to 10-footer and elevate. And if he gets there and elevates, you can't block it. And that's just such an unstoppable weapon um, that I really, really enjoy what he brings on the offensive end. Um, I, I enjoyed the starters with P.J. Dozier as well. They went to that in the second quarter. He replaced Torrey Craig. In my opinion, I mean, you guys know my thoughts on Torrey Craig, but in my opinion, P.J. Dozier brings 
95% of the defense that Torrey Craig does on most players. Torrey Craig, there are some guys that he's, you know, he really is sort of tailor-made to shut down. But Dozier, I think, against most teams, and especially against a team like the Lakers, who don't have a, a guard, anybody at the guard spot that you really get concerned with, I think Dozier can provide everything there, but he's such a better uh, pick-and-roll player. And when they put him out there, Denver went on a nice run. I hope they go to that more, especially if Barton is not going to come back or if he's going to be hobbled, if Gary Harris isn't coming back. I would rather see, more often than not, I would rather see P.J. Dozier out there than Torrey Craig, um, especially against some of the second units. And then the Lakers, another note here, the Lakers were hard doubling Jokic in the post on, on every touch, and I suspect that will be the case going forward. Teams do not believe that Denver can shoot. And to be honest, I don't believe they can shoot either. They don't have enough shooters. So going hard at Jokic, especially when you have the size and length that, that the Lakers do, they're basically daring Denver to shoot contested jump shots. And I think that's a really good strategy. Denver's going to have to be really smart about how they attack that and who they place on the court should they play the Lakers in a series. In the third quarter, they went to Jamal Murray in the post a lot, um, and I, I really like it. If you've listened to the show for long enough, you know I love Jamal Murray's post game. He's six foot five, which is my height. It's kind of funny to think. You know, he obviously played higher levels of basketball coming up, but I would not be surprised if at some point early on in his development, he was a big and played down on the block. And you could tell because he's got very nice footwork down there um, and he knows how to use his body. That's one of the things that really stands out to me the most about Jamal Murray watching these is that he's added some weight. You can see it. He looks thicker, um, but he also uses it. Like it, it, he wants to be a bully. He wants to be a physical player. And so now that he's got that added weight, he he actually has guys bouncing off him or the guys that he's actively trying to dunk on or trying to go at. He had this great move against Danny Green where it looked like he was going to shoot a fall away and instead he kind of just attacked his shoulder, knocked him off his balance, and then just went right to the cup for a layup. Um, so I'm really impressed with Jamal Murray, what I've seen out of him um, in the early go. If only he can get really hot from the three-point line, then I'll really be excited about him. There was one play really in particular, and this is one of the ones I'll either put up on the list or I'll tweet out tomorrow. Michael Porter Jr., third quarter, he goes off script and um, calls his own number, goes one-on-one -on -one against Kyle Kuzma. And during the play, you can see Jokic throw up his hands like, what are you doing? Do you not know the player or do you just not care to do it? And to me, it was one of those – he doesn't do this too often anymore – but it's one of the plays where you look at and you go, this is what's going to lose him minutes and it's what's going to lose his um, his teammates' faith in him. There's going to be a point in Michael Porter Jr.'s career where going off script is the norm and him learning to improvise. When you go off script, you can't go off script just to ISO. If you go off script, it's more about like with this is within the flow of the offense and I'm calling my number out of this player. I'm putting myself in position to run you know, some kind of action that leaves people not just standing around. What he did left Jokic standing around, left Murray standing around, and everybody just kind of looking at him, and he dribbled. He gets pushed sort of out of bounds by Kyle Kuzma. Good defensive play by Kyle Kuzma. Jokic throws his hands up. He was pissed. Michael, They cut to Michael Malone, who's just muttering under his breath. You could see how pissed he was. Like, what the heck are you doing? Why are you doing this? It doesn't happen often, but again, it was such a loud thing, and, and it's one of those things where Mike Malone has such a tough job. Give the guy confidence, but at the same time, those plays can't happen. If that's a playoff game, that possession becomes so much more important, and, and so it was one of those things that really stood out uh, upon rewatch.
very next play, he had this great hesitation dribble and transition, um, and he gets the bucket going right at, I think, um, I can't remember who, who it was. It might have been against Deion Waiters. Might, no, it was Danny Green, actually. He's a good defender, and he just kind of like really schooled him. Um, so the, Michael Porter's talent is just insane. I mean, six for six on this in this game, he has 15 points on six shots. <laughs> His efficiency is is absolutely insane. Um, Bull Bull drained a three with Waiters right in his face, and it was one of those ones where no, I shouldn't say in his face, in his space. Um, but Bull Bull is just so tall that Dion Waiters, knowing the shot was coming, being in position to contest it and jumping at it, still didn't matter. Bull Bull just steps into it very casually and drains it. Um, just again, his offensive upside is so crazy. Defensively, he's a huge mystery, but offensively, man, I mean. <laughs> the the guy the the guy really has no limit because he's such a great three point shooter and can handle the ball. I would not be surprised if he can get this like functional one you know off the dribble game pick and roll game all that stuff offensively. The question is he's so skinny he's so rail skinny that he just got absolutely beasted down the stretch by Dwight Howard. I mean there's some of these clips in there of Bull Bull trying to box out or or just like get around Dwight Howard and Dwight Howard's grabbing him like a child and just kind of pushing him around. I don't that this one of the big questions around bowl is can he add strength like can he and he's never going to be Dwight Howard he's never going to be like this muscly guy but he can he can he get his foot speed quick enough and his just his like body strength strong enough that he can get around those guys and not just be sort of like held like um, you know again like a, like a father going up against his child where you just put one forearm on on the kid's chest and hold him hold him at bay which is basically what Dwight Howard did in this one um Monte Morris deserves some uh, a little bit of commentary because he's really come on strong. I think over these last few games, he had 14 points, three rebounds, four assists in this one. But he um he's looked really good going into the playoffs now, or you know through these seeding games. Now he was one of those guys that when the playoffs came, he started to look worse and worse. He's in rhythm right now. He's knocking down three-point shots. He's getting where he wants to go and just running and looking good. Um, you know, looking like the guy we've we've kind of gotten to know out of him. Four assists, one turnover, three of four from the three-point line. So if he falters, if he struggles in this playoffs, it's really going to be a bad sign for him. Also playing well as PJ Dozier as a point guard. Him and him and Monte played a lot together down the stretch. Both kind of taking on point guard duties. I would say Dozier even more. And in part because Dozier is so big and so so long that, one, he has a great first step, so he gets into the paint. And once, unlike Monte Morris and even Jamal Murray to an extent, when P.J. Dozier gets a half step on you, he can extend that step by the time he gets to the basket because his strides are so long that most guards don't don't have the same stride. Getting around the defense can be tough for anybody, but if you get around them, then you can kind of outpace them for the next step or two. And Dozier had a couple of great examples of that. And then not just scoring on those, but also um, you know drawing the the rim protector away from the big and then getting the drop off or alley oop to the to the big. So um, in this case, Plumley. So Dozier really, I thought. Um, impressed me in this game down the stretch. I've talked about it before, but him knocking down shot jumpers is is what's so important about him. Five of seven in this game, two of two from the three-point line. 
he doesn't do that. The game's obviously significantly reduced, but his length just really helps Denver on both ends of the court. Defensively, I think everybody kind of knows why his length matters, but offensively, it's the ability to see over the defense. It's those long strides, and, and it's just the ability to make the rim protector think, I have to step up if I'm going to contest this. With Monte, the rim protectors, I think, can give a little space because that floater has to go so high and, and what have you. With Dozier, they feel they have to step up or they're going to get dunked on or, or give up a wide-open layup. And then Bull had that laser pass that was just crazy. I mean, they compared it to John Elway. Bull Bull, just such an impressive talent. Um, the Lakers were forced. This is what's so funny about this game. The Lakers had to dig deep to pull it out against Denver's mixture of their second and third string. Keita Bates-Diop is on the court. Um, P.J. Dozier's on the court. Bull Bull's on the court. That's third stringers. Three third stringers out there, and the Lakers go zone because they're just having such a hard time um, stopping Denver. And this begs the question... I think the Clippers are the best team in the Western Conference. There's been so much talk about Denver avoiding the four and, oh, you don't want to be this or that. I think Houston's a really bad matchup for Denver. I think Dallas is a really bad matchup for Denver. I don't know that the Lakers are a really bad matchup for Denver. Now, what I mean by that isn't that Denver is as good as the Lakers, but that specifically when you talk about what is Denver bad at, what are they good at, I don't know that the Lakers, I'm, I'm as afraid of the Lakers as I am those other two teams. And even when you look at the Clippers, I don't know that I'm as afraid of the Lakers as I am the Clippers, this version of them, you know, obviously being short some of the players that they are. There's another philosophy too that just you would think, well, Denver, you know, a lot of people say, well, you want to go as deep as you can, you know, you want to get to that third round. Do you? I mean, one thing about this bubble is that there's going to be a game every other game. Part of me thinks your second round is going to be tough, whether it's the Clippers, whether it's Lakers, whatever. Wouldn't you rather be tested early against these teams? And then if you lose, you get on with it. You're not, you're not you know, risking extra in, uh, injury or whatever. I just don't know that Denver needs to be afraid of playing the Lakers. Again, they'll probably lose that series. So I'm not saying don't, don't be afraid in that regard. I'm just saying I don't know that Denver needs to like – Oh, we got to be the three seed. We can't be the two. We can't be the four. We got to do this, as some people have proposed. Me personally, if Denver matches up with Utah, Oklahoma City, I feel great. If they match up with Houston or Dallas, I feel pretty uncomfortable. And there's nobody else really there for them to match up with. So um, right now, it looks like they're probably going to play Utah with a small chance of Oklahoma City. And I think that's absolutely great. And that leads us lastly into this last topic. Going into this game now, you've got the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, you want to see, I think, out of this game and really out of the next two, I don't feel like Michael Porter Jr. has – the Nuggets have fully used him. And maybe they won't this entire bubble. You know, it's too late in the game maybe to really integrate him. I think this next offseason, Michael Malone will probably – come up with um, new offensive strategies that involve him a lot more. But I would like to see a little bit more synergy out of him, Murray, and Jokic in this in these final two games. Um, I want to see them on the court a little bit more. I would love to see Dozier along with those guys. I'd love to, um, you know, some of that second-line rotations where you're bringing in some of these random dudes. I, I'd rather Denver try to tailor-fit their first unit rather than try to win the games. Try to get your first unit as many minutes in in whatever sort of uh, facsimile of a of an actual rotation you're going to have, to me that would be the most important thing. So, um, seeing Monte out there with with Jokic and, and Michael Porter, see, obviously Jamal, seeing Jeremy Grant back out on the court, um, and then maybe even a little bit of Dozier if he's there. Th those are the things I'd really like to see out of him. And then of course, you know the the last thing. If you do get Bull Bull into this this next game, I suspect that if Denver wins one more, if they win tomorrow, 
I suspect they'll rest their starters or play their starters just like a little bit of minutes in that final game. But if they do play Bol Bol, I, I would love to see Bol Bol and Jokic out on the court together a little bit more. Maybe Michael Porter and Bol Bol and Jokic. We just haven't seen a ton of minutes of those. And if you're able to get all of them on the court plus Jamal Murray, I think that'd be a huge win, even if it's just for a little stretch there. Um, because why not? When else are you going to get an opportunity in real games to, to kind of get to see those guys um, you know, prior to next season? So that's what I'd like to see. Things are wrapping up. Things are happening really quick. Um, but that's it for today. We'll be back again uh, talking about tomorrow's game with the Clippers. So tune in for that. Don't forget, leave a five-star rating and review if you have not already. We'll see everybody tomorrow.